This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Non and Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and with me today are Adam, Kevin and James to talk about another draw for Burnley. A 2-2 two, two, two draw with Birmingham City at Turf Moor at the weekend and we'll briefly go over the, the cup loss to Port Vale too. Um, another early kickoff, another game on telly. Um, James draw fair result again do you think yeah probably um, I'm, trying to, I'm actually trying to remember if they had more than like the two chances that they, they really scored I, I think that the main issue with the game was um, any time it looked like a good game was about to develop the referee did something stupid and that sort of seemed to take everything out of it many times because that was probably the most inept refereeing display I've seen in well ever there's a few decisions we'll, we'll have to go over a bit later in the podcast. Um, frustrating performance, really, from Burnley, wasn't it, Kevin? It was sort of stop-start. We seemed to get going quite well, but then conceded a really poor goal. Yeah, the, the first half was the first half was a, a complete non-starter for us. Um, it was it was quite frankly terrible. Um, the second half, um, it, was, it was good to get the early goal. Um, and then we, like you said, we we had a really good spell um, not long after the goal, but then they scored, and then we we seemed to go back to our first half form for about uh, the next ten fifteen minutes, uh, and it it was just it was really bad again, um, and we we put we could have nicked it at the end. I think we 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 had another good good spell um, after after Taylor's excellent goal, um, but I think overall a, a draw was definitely. Um, Definitely a fair result. I think if we if we'd got all three points, I'd have been delighted. Um, but I think Birmingham would have felt a bit hard done by. Really, um, I think James wondered if he had any other chances. I think we definitely had a few chances in the first half. Can't think of many they had in the second, um, other than the um, the the dive. Um, but I think they, they forced Heaton into a good save in the first half, and they obviously they hit the post as well. Um, so they they could have scored a couple of more. Um, so I think we were, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with a point, um, all things considering. Well, we can come on to the dive next, but Adam, when they scored, when they went back in front, we were probably on top at that point. And if, if the referee hasn't made that decision, do you think we'd want to win that game? 
Yeah, I think it's it's quite it was quite interesting to watch because our, our confidence seemed to be quite low when when we when we were doing badly we we tended to just keep in within ourselves and and didn't do very well, um, but then we did one good thing and we seemed to get m- momentum up quite quite easily, um, but when um, yeah when they when they scored that seemed to knock knock us out of the first half really it just it just um, it ruined any sort of momentum that we got got going. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 I suppose it's not really surprising, um, the, the, after relegation that we, our confidence is low as a unit, but I, I suppose that'll grow. And I, I, although the first half was terrible, I wasn't too displeased with the, with the second half. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't good, but it was, it was just, uh, frustrating again. Um, but not, not absolutely awful as some some people made out after the game i think it's quite interesting what you said about the momentum man because i think something i've noticed is that i'd say i'd probably say our, our best player from the first two games maybe given the first half aside from the first half at leeds has been duiqua i think his second half at leeds was really good and it was it was excellent again on saturday i think it's quite interesting that our best player is the one who had who spent all last season winning games um Whereas some of the players who are who are weirs last season, um, who were probably a bit more hit and miss with their form, maybe not performing to the best of the ones who spent all last season losing games, um, and I think you often find that transition between from relegation to to the league below is 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 very difficult, particularly in the first half of the season. I think you, you see that teams are relegated in the first first couple of months. Um, it was an exception, but the first couple of months seemed to have quite a few, um, few by few, few dodgy results. Uh, but with like, like with, with some good, uh, some good characters come back three times now this season, um, and there were certainly signs on Saturday that when when we're when we've got that confidence, um, we can we 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 can play really well and be a really good team. So I I was really hoping we get that win and hopefully that give us that that big boost of confidence and we can take the how we end, how we played at the end of the game on Saturday to to the rest of the season. But yeah, I think I think that the promotion and relegation factor between Derrickwa and the rest of the team is quite interesting. I, I think that just has played a big part so far. That is a good point. I think it's worth remembering that Derrickwa was playing in League Two until a year ago, so he's he's moved up the leagues quite rapidly and he's probably still. Um, maybe carried on a wave of of just enjoying it and enthusiasm, but I think some of the players who ended last season quite badly, and I'm thinking in particular of Scott Arfield and George Boyd, there's two to pick out if I want to name names. I think they've started the season badly as well, and turning around their form and confidence, I think it's going to be one of the biggest jobs Dash has got at the moment. Um, and we have to talk about the referee. Really, it would be a strange podcast if we managed not to. Um, probably two decisive decisions, James. Dash was particularly upset about the, the early one where I think it was expected to had hold of Duke in the box. Very similar foul to, to the one we saw last week at Leeds. He felt that should have been a, a straight red and a penalty. And then, of course, the penalty Birmingham got that was awarded after the referee had got in Ben Mee's way at the other end. Yeah, and I honestly found it really difficult to remember anything of the actual football in the game just because the overwhelming uh, memory of the game is just how inept um, Coote was. I mean, you mentioned the penalty there. He gets in the way of Ben Mee and he, 
it's not just like an accident that you know occasionally happens, you know, one time out of a hundred in that sort of situation. He just doesn't seem to actually really like know where he's running. He looked confused before it happened, and then you know he clearly gets in the way, and then obviously he gives that penalty that's it's clearly a dive in my opinion. And you know I think what the lad said to Sky afterwards says it all that you know he felt a touch and went down. That doesn't you know scream to me. I felt I was fouled. It says you know I felt a little bit of something, so I thought I'd fall over. And then you know you look at the early decision where. I can't actually remember if Duke actually went down. I think he sort of stays up, doesn't he? But it's evident he's impeded. The the lad's got, you know, three quarters of his shirt in his hand and um the referee's giving nothing. And it was the same, I think, all first half for Duke. You know, um I've heard some people say Duke had a bit of shirt at the other lad, but the other lad normally had his arms round him in sort of a full Nelson, so you know, if you're not getting free kicks for that, you you're just not gonna get free kicks for anything, are you? I want to talk about Duke in a bit more detail a bit later on, but staying on the referee for now, the frustrating thing for me about the, the penalty that he's given to Birmingham is that his position is really good. He's got in a perfect position to see that that Donaldson's tripped himself up and he's he's just got conned by the dive. And For me, I, I don't think you should be a referee if you're getting decisions that wrong. I think it's that straightforward. The drop in quality seems to be huge down to the championship. Yeah, I've heard him described apparently as a, you know, a bright referee and prospect for the future. Well, well, that's concerning, isn't it? If he's one of the the best young referees around. On that evidence, I'm I'm pretty concerned for the future of the uh, the Premier League and any cup finals that you know blind man gets to referee. I think the positioning ones are a particularly uh, particularly disappointing aspect of a decision because you've got to accept that referees have a have a really tough job. We we get a five or six different replays from different angles, angles, really good angles, which are focused on, on the ball and focused on the, on the foul. Whether the referee is often running and he's got players in his way, he's not at the best angle. But like you say on Saturday, he probably had the best view of anybody in the house. I think he had a, be- he had a better view than, than the cameras had. He had the, the best view possible. Um, I, 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 I'd love to know what he thought happened because I, I have no idea what was going through his mind. It, I was, but I think that made it particularly disappointing. It's not like... He had players in his way, and he 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 just saw a player go over. It's, it's actually, but he he should have he should have, should have seen that better than anybody. Yeah, there was there was absolutely no excuse for getting that 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 decision wrong. Uh, and I I was very angry about the referee, as I think most Burnley fans were. But I I wrote a, a piece afterwards, um, and basically I made the claim that there needs to be more accountability, like. If the media could grill the referee afterwards, maybe yes. The 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 claim against this is that it would put even more scrutiny on referees, but also they have have a chance to to almost defend themselves or say, "Yep, sorry, I was wrong," and therefore reinstate faith in in referees from fans. Um, it just, oh, it, it's it's more sad than anything. Like you, you get the anger. Um, obviously in the moment and then afterwards you think well this is actually a game and it's being ruined sometimes by by just in- ineptitude and uh, I don't really really know how you Im- you improve something like that and the 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 argument against uh, like that we have slow-mo replays and stuff but we've had them for for at least 15 years now and the the referee and standards seems to have got got much worse like especially in the championship 
I think the accountability thing stinks, really. I think, and the FA did that whole half-assed um, respect campaign a couple of years ago, didn't they? When we were trying to get more respect for referees and the opposition team and stuff. But I, I don't see how anyone can respect referees while they've got no accountability. I think, like you say, if if referees could go and speak to the media afterwards and say, "Okay, this is why I made this decision," or "I got this wrong," or if it's a controversial decision, may explain why he made that decision. Maybe there'll be that more accountability. I can't think of any like. If I was at work and I wanted people to respect me, I wouldn't just ignore them. And if if, were, if I did something wrong, just just hide away and not explain myself. I'd explain myself and hope to have respect for for that. I just I, I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, referees, and I think, I'm sure I, I expect referees are often quite frustrated by it as well, actually, because if, if they make a decision they think's correct. Uh, and then afterwards, they're ripped to shreds. Surely they'd want to kind of defend themselves and say, "Well, actually, this is this is why I made that decision." Yeah, there was. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there was a, a Swedish referee recently. He set up a Facebook page, didn't he, so he could explain some decisions, and then shut it down about two days later, saying that it was taking up too much time to maintain. So I thought that was a really positive step, and then it. Um, it it was just two steps backwards, <laughs> James. Although that sounds quite funny that in two days he made so many bad decisions that he had to explain. But I think it was more that some, someone time. at the Swedish FA was just like, yeah, you can't do that. I've thought for years that you know there should be a press conference for the referee, regardless of whether he's made um, you know a bad decision or not. And I think the other thing as well in, on on Saturday's game for cheating was um, just the way some of the Birmingham players acted towards the end. Um, now, I think there was an instance where they we got a corner, and six of the men are around the referee claiming it's not one. I mean, it's a court. It's not like he's given a penalty where you could maybe understand them, you know, wanting to get their point across to the referee. But when he's given a corner, just I can't believe. I don't think I've ever seen six players remonstrate with the referee over a corner before, and I think that was just you know ridiculous. And it showed the control that he'd lost on the game, um, and you know there's other instances that showed how much control he'd lost where. You know, he uses his magic spray to put down a line for the wall and then just lets them stand wherever they want, which um, was just a bit bizarre. Yeah, I noticed that. I felt you're exactly right. He didn't have control of the game for me. There was one instant, weren't there? I think Ben Mee's booking. You can get the, the freeze frame. I think we put it on Twitter or retweeted someone or someone. And you can see that Mee's brushed Cottrell's arm with his finger and Cottrell's legs have, have broken underneath him. It's it's absolutely yeah, crazy. How strong Ben Mee's little finger must be. And, the, and then not long after that, you know, Ben Mee's been booked for that. But um, was it Grounds playing left back? Absolutely hacks Sodell down. Not just like you know a little niggle. He, he actually swings through Sodell's lower legs, and uh, he gets away completely scot free. Which you know, on the face of it, if you compare the two. One's a booking and one's not, and it, it's not the way around it happened. Uh, the me one would have been a booking if he'd actually fouled him, but he, he didn't touch him. Cottrell should be booked for, for cheating. Um, coming back to the, the accountability point that, that Adam was making earlier, I think one of the problems is that cheats don't get challenged by the media at all. They just get away with it. So we see things like last season, remember the Chelsea game, Jose Mourinho was allowed to go on goals on Sunday and put up his agenda about Ashley Barnes. So there was nothing about well, Chelsea's cheating all the game. And I thought it was extraordinary, really, that after the game, I think Gary Rabbit was the, the first of the two managers to be interviewed, and he was complaining about um, the free kick for, for our first goal. He said it was soft against Kitely, 
And there was no challenge from the reporter about the fact that Donaldson had quite clearly dived. And you can see that he's dived without replays. So there's, there's no need to go on about technology. I think referees have got a difficult job. But in that instance, it's terrible call. You can see it immediately. So there's just no excuses for that. And then Sky had the cheek to go and give Donaldson the man of the match award. It's like, well done, you just cheated and got your team a point. And they interviewed him on the pitch and didn't call him call him out on the fact that he admitted he'd cheated. They just let him said it and move on. It was bizarre. And it, and also the the all, all three pundits said, Oh, that's not a penalty. And it's like, well, there's no no producer at Sky or someone, the director of the thing, gone in David Craig, who was the reporter's ear, going, oh, ask him ask him about the, the, the penalty or, or whether he was cheating or whether he went down or whether it's right that he went down. The thing is, you get you get tiled with the brush of you, you're being bitter. But, like, I... If if it was the other way around, if like a Birmingham player got wrongfully um, a, a wrongful decision against him, um, which didn't happen on on Saturday, but if he if that happened, you'd also want Sky to to um, to question them, and and that like it's not a, a one way thing. I don't want it. Oh, just when when Burnley get bad decisions, it, it's a thing that should happen all the time. Even even in the live commentary, I think was it Don Goodman who was the, the summariser. He called it soft right. and. I'm sick of these euphemisms that, that we let footballers get away with for cheating. They call it a soft penalty when he's cheated. Call him a cheat. I know it, it gets back pages and stuff when the pundits have a go at the footballers, but they're there to give opinions, not just sugarcoat stuff. Peter Beagre, he's got multiple replays of Donaldson diving, and he says it's professionalism to go down when you get a touch in the box. If we're going like, to excuse this cheating then I think we should just pack up and go home. I get really disillusioned with football when I see things like that, and it just makes me feel a bit sick, really. I just don't want to bother with it anymore. Anyway, I want to move it on from the ref because I'm, I'm getting angry again and I've just about <laughs> calmed down from Saturday. Um, let's talk about Lucas Jokovic instead. That'll cheer me up. Um, it, it was a, a difficult game for Jokovic. I think James already pointed out that he was um, <laughs> being mauled, really, by Jonathan Spector for most of the game. Um, the thing I would counter to that is that I think Duke's just got to be stronger. You've got to battle back. And I don't think you'd see someone like Sam Volks get bullied physically by a defender the way that Duke has the last two weeks. Um, Kevin, if we can bring you back in on Duke, what, what was your thoughts on, on his performance? I saw, actually, there were some people on a popular Burnley FC message board rating Lucas Jokovic on Saturday's performance as an 8 out of 10. I thought that was crazy. Oh. I just bless him. I feel so sorry for him. He's just, he's, he tries his he tries his best, but he's just not good, is he? I mean, I think I think in the, at some point in the second half, he had a relatively acceptable shot, and I think that's the first relatively acceptable shot he's had in over a year. <laughs> in the first in the first half, the, the ball dropped to him in the box, and he had no one near him. Okay, it dropped at a, a, an awkward height. But he essentially just passed it to the keeper. And I think if that had dropped to, to Sam Vokes or to Danny Ings, that would be hammered uh, at least towards goal. We might have put, okay, Duke maybe went for positioning, but it, it just positioned it into the keeper's arms. And it's just one of those opportunities where you think, you just got to hit it, you just got to whack it. And it, it, it didn't. And I think it summed up everything about his Burnley career for me. And that he, he was there, but he, he, his clinic, was, I was going to say his clinical something was bad but there's just no clinical side to him whatsoever in the slightest and I've, 
I think it is a shame because he, he just seemed like a, he seems like a decent lad, and it, it definitely looks like he, he you know he really wants to succeed and he's he puts a lot of effort into it and he he, he does he's got some nice touches of a ball here and there. But if 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 he's been here over a year and I think I've just seen his first relatively relatively acceptable shot and he's a striker in more than a year. Uh, that that says it all for me. Um, and I, I know Dice alluded before the match that Sam Vokes is not hundred percent fit. I'd take a I'd take a, a, a partly fit Vokes over over Duke Kennedy every week. Um, and yeah, I I really hope he's off to to Forest uh, as part of the Lansbury deal because because I I, I know I I don't wish him I don't wish him bad. I I, I really want him to do well. Cause he seems like I say I seem, he seems like a, a nice chap, and I quite like him to go to Forest. Uh, and, and grab a few goals as long as it doesn't cost us anything. Um, but yeah, he, I, I think he, he's never going to make an impact at Burnley, and I think it's time for him to for him to leave now. I think you're right. What you say, people feel sorry for him now, and that's it's just a bit pathetic, isn't it? Really, if you're in a situation where the professional footballers who were paid good amounts of money, and remember, Jokovic was brought in as a as a Premier League player, who was brought in to, to fill in for Sam Bogues. And he just—he's never looked like scoring a goal for me, and I think that's that's the worst thing you can say about a striker. It's all very well saying he tries, but Daish himself says that what is it? Maximum effort is minimum requirement. So just that he works hard—that's that's just that's almost an insult for me. If that's the only thing you can say about him, but to to end on a slightly positive note on Jokovic, at least that chance that you mentioned, Kevin where he passed it to the keeper. At least he hit the ball. Sordell had a chance in the six-yard box in the second half. He wouldn't even hit it. Screaming at the celly, just hit the ball, Marv. Hit it. He didn't look like he knew what the ball was. <laughs> James? Yeah, I think the the big thing with Duke was that every time he seemed to shoot, it was like something just went wrong. There was just something about the scenario that meant he couldn't try and get the ball on target. You know, there was one first half, he, he swings at it and sort of slices it off the outside of his boot when he's trying to attempt to volley. And there's another volley second half, and it's blocked by the defender before it even sort of leaves his boot. It just seems like no matter what he does, he, he can't connect with the ball in a way that puts it with any sort of velocity towards the net. And um, for me, the strangest thing about the game was that, you know, he, I'd say it was another game where you could say he's played well, his positioning's been good, but he hasn't scored. And this is probably like his sixth game that's been just like that. You know, there's a couple of them in the last season, and there's been two so far this season. And um, what we know from Massey, obviously, is that he'll be like that for a couple of games, and eventually, I think, all confidence goes, and then he's just sort of a, a shell on the football field, um, which is it's disappointing because he, he does seem like a nice guy, and you know you can clearly see that if he maybe did get a couple of goals and had confidence, then he might be able to um, to score more goals, but it just never seems to look like happening. And... The disappointing for me was that he came off. He stayed on when Vossen came off because I thought Vossen was really warming into the game at that point. You know, he he had the flick on for Keane's header, um, and he, he looks like he can get a, a ball in. And occasionally he got out wide and he was putting crosses into the box. And from a tactical standpoint, I can't see any point in having Djokovic and Vox on at the same point unless you're going to going to start giving the ball to Heaton and kicking it straight to one of those two. And completely bypassing everything in the middle. I think uh, after the match, I, I was looking on our Known in Ever um, chat, which us guys have, um, 
And before the match, Jamie has Jamie has said jokingly that someone had suggested playing Djokovic and Vokes together and just seen how ridiculous that was. And then then Deitch went and did it in the second half. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why that happened. Um, but I agree about Voss, and I think some, he's, got, he's had a bit of stick from some people, um, and he's certainly been quiet in the first few games. Um, but I think he came close to scoring at Leeds when he almost stuck his foot out far enough, and he'd, if he'd got anything on, if it, that, his foot had been half an inch further forward, uh, that'd have been a goal, I think. I mean, he, it was a really smart flick on for Keane's goal um, on, on, on Saturday. Um, I think the problem with, with, with Vossen on a Saturday for me is he looked like he was being forced into midfield. I think he was he was waiting up at the top, but the ball wasn't able to come to him because there was there was nobody um, in that in that space um, being able to connect the midfield to the strikers. There was a big gap between the two, um, and he was having to drop so far back. It was sometimes he was pretty much in the centre circle, just coming to get the ball. Um, and that's, I think that was the problem, really, is that he can't have a big effect on the game up top when he's coming into midfield. And I think he was essentially doing two roles at the moment. So I'd like to judge Vossen a little bit more when we've got, I'm not going to say the L word, but when we've got a midfielder in, in the middle to, uh, to come in and play that role and, and allow Vossen to, to stay a bit further forward and play his his natural game a bit more. Often on, on the striking situation, often the excuse is that there's, there's not been good deliveries, but I, I did notice we had a few really great, great deliveries. Um, me actually did um, did a couple of great uh, like across the goal mouth um, crosses, um, and and there's actually although there is merit in in the argument that you, obviously you need to if you um, if you're going to score you need to have good crosses and good deliveries and and good service. Um, but at some point, it does come down to the strikers, and I, I, I saw—I don't know where I saw it. Um, I think maybe one of us guys said it, but Ashley Barnes is me. It is Kevin. There we go. Uh, um, yeah, Ashley Barnes is the um, the only striker that Dice has bought that has scored a league goal, and and I don't know if if it's fair to judge Dice on his on his transfer record but at some point you have to like you can only use the Scott Arfield defense a, a, a number of times before you go well is he actually that good in the, in the transfer market um but i suppose we'll find out at the end of august you're talking about deliveries there just something completely unrelated which i i noticed but in burnley game in two burnley games this season there's been two goals from crosses and they've both been us i mean what from last, maybe we've actually learned something from last season from watching watching all those crosses going against us and conceding them all. Maybe we've learned how to how to score them ourselves this season. It's quite strange seeing a cross going and it being a goal and it it not be at the other end. Well, good point, and I think we've all been from cross them our goals or set pieces, cross or set pieces. We haven't really created much in open play yet. Before we move on to to something else, there's obviously Hennings to come in on the, the strike front that we've not really mentioned yet, but um, talking about Jokovic, I think Kevin's already mentioned the, the Lansbury deal. We're reluctant to talk too much about the Lansbury deal because it's dragged on for so long. I'm sure everyone's sick of it. But the, the word is from Forrest that they want a player as part of the deal. Scott Arfield's been mentioned. I imagine that's a non-starter, but the other one is Jokovic, um, who played under Dougie Friedman at Bolton and did quite well on loan from Middlesbrough. Um, would we all be quite happy 
happy to, to see Duke go with Vox coming back to fitness and Hennings coming in as well? Does that seem like a, a deal that makes sense, James? Um, well, at this point, I think it's more we want a midfielder, so yeah. Um, I'd be disappointed in a way to see him go because I do feel like you know if he got a goal in the league in North Friendly, he might get the confidence to you know get some more goals. But um, you know we've seen Vokes get one now, and um, if Vokes can start scoring again regularly, then I don't think you really have the space for two players of that similar mould. Can I just clarify the question, Jamie? Because I'm quite confused. Is the question what I like to see as bringing a midfielder and get rid of Duke, and that's supposed to be a question. So to see it from that way, I would keep him if it was just, should we sell him? But I would personally drive from Bristol to Turf Moor, um, pick Duke up, and then drive him to the city ground if it was an exchange for Lansbury. That's a very generous offer. That might make the deal a bit smoother if, if we've got a taxi service going on there as well. Um, I think that surely the issue is that Duke's just going to be surplus to requirements now. He's arguably only started because Volks isn't fully fit. Hennings has come in, he's seen, what we know about Hennings, he seems similar sort of style, sort of big, bustly striker. There's surely not going to be room for G, you'd think. Folks, Hennings and Vossen, it's going to be two of those three, then sort of and Long, who are different options. I, I don't um, understand why Duke would fit in on that. At, at this rate, we're going to be fielding two strikers starting and uh, six on the bench. So, yeah, I think that it is a case of how many more strikers can you have in and, and you know Duke's been a championship starter in the past and obviously Vossen's come in probably expecting first team football and I'm sure Hennings is the same and you're just not going to be able to keep that many strikers happy over the course of a season um, you know at best you can probably really have one reclamation project going on can't you? Yeah I think that's fair Joining us now to fill us in on new signing Ruin Hennings is German semi-professional footballer Eric Papstein. Thanks for joining us, Eric. What can you tell us about about Hennings? Uh, yes, uh, I know Hennings now over ten years. I think um, in the youth team I played two times against him, but it's yes over ten years uh, ago. But I'm a very big uh, German football fan, so I watched many games of uh, Ruben Hennings uh, in different teams. Yes, and I can say that it's a good choice for Burnley, I think. It's a good striker. Um, played last year for Karlsruhe. Also a famous club in Germany. Played now in the second division, but in the past they had many good players. Like uh, maybe you know Oliver Kahn, I think. The titan of Germany, he played for Karlsruhe. Yes, and I think he's a, he's a strong striker and a good choice for Burnley. He was top scorer in, in Bundesliga 2 last season, is that right? Yes, that's right. I think 17 goals he scored and also a goal against his ex-club Hamburg in the relegation match to get to the Bundesliga, but they lost in the second match, I think. And what sort of striker is he? Is he someone who likes to lead the line? Is he a, a sort of target man player? Uh, I think he's a very physically striker, strong physically, uh, fast, very strong left foot. Um yeah, and uh, aggressive striker. I think he's yeah on the field. He's very aggressive, so I think he fits perfect to the English football. That's what I was going to ask next. German football is quite similar to English football in some ways, don't you? He's, he's towards his late twenties, isn't he? So 
do you think that's a, a good age to be, to be moving? There seems to be a lot of players leaving Germany because the the pay is just too low compared to what players can earn in England. Yes, uh, yeah, I think he's twenty seven now. He's my age, um, and I think the age is is perfect now. And uh, I think he wants, or I thought he would go to a Bundesliga club this year because he played so so well last last uh, season. Yeah, but now he goes to Burnley. And yes, I think uh, it's a very good choice from him and from uh, Burnley too. Um, what sort of what sort of service does he does he thrive on? Does he does he like a lot of crosses or through balls? What's what sort of strike? What sort of goals does he ought to score? I think he's uh, he scored many goals with his left foot from outside the box. And inside the box uh, last season, but yeah, he's he's very good with uh, shots from far away from the goal, and uh, very good um, in German counter. What's this? If um, I don't know the name in English, but yeah, he's 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 fast and scores the goals when his uh, team makes a, a cross. Right? Yes. So he's good in the air then. Yeah. Well, I, I think he's he's. Uh, Goal, uh, very good in the air, but also at the, uh, with his left foot, he scored the most goals uh, last season, I think. You mentioned earlier that you, you played against him a few years ago. Yeah. Does anything stand out from that? Obviously, it was a while ago. If it jog your memory a little bit. I only can say I think he scored three or four goals against him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that he was very fast. And at this age, I think we were 15, he was physically... Um, yeah, uh, much better than than we were in the past. So, like like now, I think he's physically very strong, and it's yeah, a very good uh, strength of him. Just finally, then you you think he's going to be a big success at Burnley? You think he'll do well? I I I think so. Yes, I think he will score many goals for Burnley. I have to say that I don't know so much about the championship. Um, but I know that my boss Liam is, is a big Burnley fan, uh, so so I uh, follow Burnley a little bit, and I think he will help them maybe to get back to the uh, Premier League again. Yes, brilliant. Thanks a lot for your insight, Eric. Well, moving on from that, we want to touch briefly on the game at Port Vale. Um, we've got a little problem with the midweek games here at the podcast. We normally record on Monday nights, and it. Basically means that we, we tend to be a game behind, so we're not going to talk much about the Ipswich game because that might be in the past by the time people are listening. But we can go over Port Vale. Um, seemed like a pretty dire match, pretty dire performance. Kevin, the only shining light was that we didn't have to suffer extra time. Um, yeah, I think that's that, that's as much as you can say about <laughs> it, really. Um, and I don't think any I don't think anybody was was too well but well reading some people online some people were distraught but I think people are always going to be distraught after a defeat um but I think thinking a bit more rationally I don't think anybody anybody really cares nobody's going to look back um and think oh god I wish we beat wish we beat Port Vale in that in that league cup first round match um yeah I, I, I I'm not really bothered at all and particularly given um it would have been quite. It would, it would have been nice to to win the match just for that confidence um, thing we were talking about earlier about you know, we spent all last season losing games and maybe carrying over from that bit. So it would have been nice to um, to win the game from that perspective. But from a competitive 
um, kind of competitions basis. Um, yeah, let's we lost the game. Let's move on. I think it's it's fair to say that, that some people who went were disappointed that it was such a, a lame performance. Really, I think there was maybe one shot on target throughout the game, which is unacceptable. You've got to say. Um, in any competition but when you play in a team that's a league below you you would expect to, to have more than that especially when it was a, a strong team that dashed put out but in the grand scheme of things out of a league cup tie at Port Vale it's, it's not going to be something that we're going to worry too much about is it? although you don't want to lose games if we're going to lose one at this stage of the season that's the one that we pick yeah, it's, uh, it's. I'm not too bothered, really. I was, it's just pretty nonplussed. I was, I was editing last week's podcast while it was on, and I was like, oh, we've lost now. So, <laughs> um, it, like, it's, it's funny the cup competitions. Like, as, as soon as you get further in, you start caring. But if you if you go out, no one really, no one really minds anymore. And then, I think it, it it was definitely relief when Paul Bell scored at the end. I didn't really want to have to follow another half hour of that. Uh, it's worth pointing out, I think, that a lot of championship clubs went out to, to lower league opposition. I think it was six or seven in total, which is more than you'd expect. So it wasn't just those. Rovers went out at home to, was it Scunthorpe? I forget now. Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Um, and a couple of other teams went out. I think Leeds lost to Doncaster on penalties as well. So it wasn't just those who went out at the first hurdle. And yeah, we'd, we'd all like to see a little cup run, but I don't think any of us are, are too fussed. Um, Looking forward then, uh, we'll talk a bit about Saturday's game, which is Brentford coming to Turf Moor. Um, there's obviously the, the McParland link there. Brentford have done quite well since coming up. There were playoffs last year and they've um, changed the manager this season and brought in a few new players. They're going for this money ball approach, which is quite interesting. Andre Gray started the season well as well. Um, it's going to be a tough game, another home game coming off the back of a long trip to Ipswich as well. It's starting to look like it's a tough start to the season, isn't it, James? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was always going to be the case that at least Leeds was going to be a tough tough game for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a, it's a difficult place to go Ellen Road and from what I've heard from, from Leeds fans, it was one of the best atmospheres they've had in years, so um, the fans were clearly, he's feeling enthusiastic. Um, Birmingham probably shouldn't have been as difficult as we made it. Um, granted, obviously, the referee did play a little part in that, but you know, Ipswich is never an easy place to go, and obviously Brentford are. You never really want to come against the sides that are, you know, playing the way they do, which is, um, you know, they seem to almost have a confidence that's sort of above the, the level that they should. Um, probably kind of like we did the first time round when we got promoted, and uh, we were kind of a cobbled together side that, that really seemed to give the teams a lot of difficulty. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Brentford adapted better to the championship than I think anyone expected. And, and Gray in particular is a, a lower league podder for some years and seems to have caught fire in the last few months. So I think it'll be a, a good challenge. And again, another sort of game that you'd look at and think, if we're going to be in the Shea Cup at the end of the season, that's the sort of match that we probably have to win. Um, Ipswich and Brentford then, what sort of points totals would you be looking for from those two games, Kevin? Would you be thinking three or four? I think you definitely want to win one, one of them. So I'd say three is a minimum. I'd be looking for four. Um, Ipswich, tough place to go, particularly for Burnley. Um, so get a point there and, and get our first win in front of the fans at the turf. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be really happy with that. Adam, what about you? Would you be confident that we can get that first win on the board in the next couple of games? 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to be optimistic and say, yeah, we. we I think like the thing with, I don't want to go back to last week, uh, uh, Saturday's game, but we weren't. Although we were terrible in the first half, in the second half we weren't that far away. If we can keep that up for a sustained amount of time, we will we will utterly dominate teams. So, like if you if that can happen in the next week, and I suppose if it, it could easily, it could well happen in that in that short space of time, um, then you. Um, we could see um, us pick up a win. We 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 know that Dash likes a settled team, but um, given the the two draws so far, James, do you think there's there's some tweaks that he could make? Certainly, Matt Taylor's made himself a a good case for coming into the side of that excellent free kick that we've not really mentioned for spending 15 minutes complaining about referees and cheating. Uh, yeah, I think I think Taylor's got a chance, but I think um, personally, Carly would be a little bit hard done by to get dropped. Um, and I think if anyone was gonna gonna come out of the side, I think it might actually be George Boyd because he yeah, he doesn't really even seem to have shown his uh, his usual running at the moment. But um, for me, just a little bit different to Kev. I'd say that really the minimum I'm looking for at these two games is four points. I think if um, you know if we if we want a challenge at the end of the season, we've got to at least win um, the Brentford game at home. Um, I thought we really need to win on Saturday to be honest to sort of send a message to teams that Turf Moor was going to be. Uh, one of the more difficult places to go. Um, and obviously, I think that the key always is try and win your home games and not lose away. So I'd take a draw at Ipswich. Um, particularly, as you said, you know, it's not always the best place to go. It's a long journey and uh, it's difficult for travelling fans as well. Um, which, on an aside, the ticket price for a Tuesday night at Ipswich is absolutely obscene. Um, but yeah, I, I think Taylor's got a shout and maybe for Boyd and uh, up front. Uh, I think you've got to expect that, that Volks gets the nod um, ahead of Duke. Was it a case of, of Saturday being last chance for, for Duke then, with Hennings having already been confirmed as well? I'm not sure whether I'd say last chance. Um, you know, I think he's still putting a decent performance despite not scoring. You know, he certainly wasn't an 8 out of 10 because you'd have to score to get 8 out of 10 as a striker, in, in my mind at least. Um, but you know, he certainly wasn't disgracing himself with his performance, but I just feel after we, we've seen the header that that Volk scored opening day of the season, um, you know he looks a little bit sharper, and uh, it, it just almost feels wasteful when you've got you know two full backs who can put a decent ball in the box, um, getting early crosses, and you've not really got someone who seems to look like he's going to get his head on the end of them. Well, that's about all we've got time for on this week's non ever podcast. Two games to go over on next week's show: Ipswich away and Brentford at home. So hopefully you'll join us for that. Thanks as ever to our sponsors at Neville G. Thanks for listening. There's still a questionnaire that we'd like to fill in if you haven't already. That will be in the show notes. Just let us know how we're doing, what we can do to improve the podcast. You can also get in touch with any feedback or comments um, to our email address, as always, which is podcast at knowninever.net. But that is it for this week. So thanks to Adam, Kevin and James for joining me. And we'll be back next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. 
let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.